Hi, I'm Shona, and this is my podcast. I'm a mum, a pre and postnatal trainer, CrossFit coach, yoga teacher, and I don't take myself or life too seriously. Enjoy my podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Today I'm going to speak about nutrition and trying to conceive. Now if you are trying to conceive or going through IVF here in this short podcast are going to be some nutritional guidelines that hopefully will help in your journey. Now I just want to give a little preface. I am a coach who is pre and postnatal trained and I have found myself working with quite a lot of people who are also trying to conceive and I have gone full circle with this. So I had a bit of a journey getting pregnant myself and I know that during that journey I was not, well I mean you'll know if you're going through it, it messes with your mental health and I would have done anything to get pregnant. Like, you name it, I would have done it. Because it was what I wanted more than anything in this world. And chances are you're listening to this and it's what you want too. And I remember going on social media and seeing someone who is also an online coach like me make a post that basically implied that she got people pregnant and I thought that was hella problematic. Problematic for a few reasons. First of all, imagine you were working with her and you didn't get pregnant. You would think that based on her posts, you weren't following her guidelines, you weren't doing the coaching properly and therefore you failed because you're not pregnant. How awful would that feel? Second of all, she's taken away any sort of feeling of ownership, of achievement that comes from that coaching relationship. So for example, if I'm working with someone and their goal is fat loss, it's them that's done that. It's them that has shown the discipline, that has been dedicated, that has been consistent, that has grown that willpower, that's not me. That's not me. I'm just pointing them in the direction, providing the support and it's the client that does all the hard work. So I have now come full circle with this because I absolutely see the value and actually what happened was I just found trying to conceive and IVF, I find that like an interesting subject, having been through it myself. I put a post up about exercise in IVF and from that post, people came to me and they were like, I I want to work with you. So it actually wasn't even my idea. (laughs) But now I see the value and see what can be achieved from that coaching relationship and it includes things like obviously on a practical level I've got clients who are looking to reduce their BMI to qualify for IVF. I understand that some people might want to increase their BMI. 
I'm also helping support people with their training and finding a balance there so that they're not overtraining, but they're also able to still enjoy the training that they love. Um, helping people with their relationship with food, helping people with coping mechanisms and managing and processing difficult emotions, which there are plenty during that process. Helping clients develop resilience, gratitude, advocating for themselves, which is just so important during that process. And then also during pregnancy and birth, you're um, getting set up for standing up for yourself, advocating for yourself, which is so important. Helping clients with body image. I know that my body image was just in the gutter when I was trying to conceive. And then also it took a, a real hit with pregnancy and managing stress. <laughs> so I really do see a huge value in seeking the help of a coach when you are going through that process. Anyway, let's move on to the actual topic of this podcast, which is nutrition for fertility. So the main dietary pattern, if we're looking at what is the perfect diet for trying to conceive and fertility, then probably the best one would be the Mediterranean diet. And there is actual evidence and it is associated with improvements in IVF outcomes. Now, I just think I should add as a caveat here that recommending a Mediterranean diet is very Eurocentric, it's very Western-centric, it's very white-centric and obviously there's people all around the world that don't follow this very westernised diet um, that are able to conceive and have success with IVF outcomes. However, most people listening to my podcast, I can look on Spotify, I think 99% of them are in the UK and maybe like 1% are in the US. So I'm speaking to you guys. So the, the significance of a Mediterranean diet, it is a diet that is rich in mono and polyunsaturated fats. So that means oily fish, nuts, seeds, um, olive oil. It also has it's a high fiber diet so there's plenty of fruits and vegetables it's also a high whole grain diet so low gi carbs brown rice seeded brown bread um things like that so i've got a couple of studies here about this um there was a study from 2010 and it demonstrated the impact of diet on ivf outcomes on 160 couples undergoing IVF in the Netherlands. So there was two types of dietary patterns in the women who participated in the study. One was a quote unquote health conscious, low processed dietary pattern that consisted of high intake of vegetables, fruits, grains, whole grains, and a low intake of snacks, meat, and mayonnaise. Um, a high adherence to this diet was correlated with an increase in red blood cell folate. We know that folate is really important to fertility and um, a healthy fetus. The other dietary pattern that was identified was the Mediterranean diet, which consisted of a high intake of vegetable oils, vegetables, legumes, fish, and a low intake of food snacks and fast foods. <laughs> What's a food snack? High adherence to this diet was correlated with increased folate, vitamin B6 in the blood and follicular fluid. In terms of IVS success, neither diet was associated with embryo quality or 
fertilization rate, but a high adherence to the Mediterranean diet was associated with a 40% increase in the probability of pregnancy after IVF. So um, the thing with this study is that both groups of people were generally following quite a healthy diet, um, but that there was um, more success in the people who adhered to the Mediterranean diet. So that is the key word, adherence. Um, and then there was a second study. This one's probably a bit more telling because the two types of diets were quite different. And this was actually on men. Now, again, most of the people listening to my podcast are women, but I think this is interesting nonetheless. So this was again in the Netherlands, 161 males um, from the subfertile couples, they identified two patterns of diets, a health conscious diet containing high intake of fruit, vegetables, fish, seafood, legumes and whole grains and a low intake of fatty sauces, meat, sugar, confectionery and refined grains and the traditional Dutch diet which contained high intakes of potatoes, meat, whole grains, fatty sauces such as mayonnaise and a low intake of alcohol, cereals, fruit, sugar and soup. So they did have that stuff, but not a high intake. They found that the health conscious diet was inversely proportional to sperm DNA damage, as in the there was less sperm DNA damage. And this was explained by high intakes of fruit and vegetables when examined individually. So basically what we can take away from here, it's not exactly groundbreaking that to have, um, to increase your chances of fertility, you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. Another thing that's quite significant with the Mediterranean diet is that there is a low intake of red meat and most of the protein comes from fish, oily fish. So what you could do to make sure that you're also getting a high intake of monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats is uh, and reducing your saturated fats and saturated fats tend to come from animal sources is making some plant-based protein swaps so whether you just try and reduce the amount of red meat in your diet and try to swap some of those out for some tofu some soy some seitan some tempeh <laughs> things like that that can actually be really really tasty and very good for you. So let's have a look at some of the vitamins and minerals that it's really important to have in your diet if you are wanting to improve fertility and one of the first ones to look at is vitamin D which is really important for key reproductive functions. So most evidence shows that most people are vitamin D deficient. It's very common in pregnant and lactating women and it is associated with a variety of adverse outcomes. In terms of fertility, it's actually difficult to come to a firm conclusion that it has an impact on fertility and pregnancy outcomes beyond association, but it can't hurt to supplement it when we know that most of us are deficient in it. So the government advice for vitamin D is that everyone should consider taking a daily vitamin D supplement during autumn and winter. And I think that is especially the case if you live in Scotland because it's dark all the time. Um, it says on the NHS website, from about late March, early April to the end of September, most people should be able to make all the vitamin D they need from sunlight. 
but when it gets darker, we might need to supplement with that. Sources from food for vitamin D include oily fish, red meat, liver, egg yolks, and some fortified foods, which means when vitamins and minerals are added to food. So adults need 10 micrograms of vitamin D a day, and you will also need to supplement with this throughout pregnancy. And then if you are breastfeeding, your baby will be given a vitamin D supplement um, from the NHS. And this needs to be specific for them because they need a lesser amount. So I have a very food-centered or food-first approach when it comes to um, vitamins and minerals. However, there are going to be some that you might need to supplement with and that might be based on your own personal preferences. Omega-3 is really important for egg quality, improved embryo implantation. It's also an antioxidant. I'm going to talk about antioxidants in a little minute. Um, and if you're someone who really does not like fish, then that's something that you might want to supplement with. I do recommend that my clients have two to three portions of oily fish per week, and that can be salmon or mackerel. Next up, we've got folic acid, and most um, prenatal or uh, preconception supplements that you'll get will have folic acid in them and it's recommended that you start taking it as soon as you start trying for a baby ideally for three months before and then during the first 12 weeks of pregnancy and folic acid is really really important for your baby's brain and spine to, to develop normally and it does have a role in infertility in that if you are deficient in it, it can sometimes lead to temporary infertility or an inability to conceive. And then we have iodine. Um, it's found mainly in animal protein foods and sea vegetables. <laughs> Don't, can't say I eat a lot of them to be honest. Um, and to a lesser extent found in fortified foods. Uh, so that will be found in things like seaweed, um, fish, shellfish, uh, sometimes table salts if they're labelled iodised, dairy, eggs, liver and chicken. But again, you will find iodine in the preconception supplements that you can find, like most of them will contain iodine. Iodine, it's an essential chemical compound of thyroid hormones and they control our metabolism. So iodine is an essential part of our diet to support normal growth and development in the body. Prior to conceiving, thyroid hormones regulate ovulation. And then once pregnant, iodine is particularly important for developing for the developing fetus as the thyroid hormone is also involved with brain development. And then we have zinc. Um, apparently the best source of zinc is oysters, <laughs> um, but also in red meat, poultry, beans, nuts, crab, lobster, whole grains, um, fortified cereals, dairy products. Now zinc is, um, or zinc deficiency rather, can have a negative effect on egg development. It's a key regulator in egg cell development. It plays a role in egg division, fertilization, DNA regulation, and embryo development. And then finally, if you are a vegan, you might want to consider supplementing with K2. 
calcium. Obviously, calcium calcium is present in lots of dairy foods. So if you're not having that, then you might want to supplement that because calcium is a vital ingredient in the process of triggering growth in embryos. And then finally, vitamin B12. Um, just like folate deficiency, that can lead to some sort of temporary infertility. So as I say, I do have a very food first approach when it comes to things like this. However, I don't want you to feel stressed out and overwhelmed. So all of these supplements, all of these um, minerals and vitamins will be present in a preconception supplement. So it's just the case of finding one that has them all and um, it's like a very easy and convenient way to make sure that you're getting all of those things in your diet. Other things to consider are maybe reducing certain foods. Now, I very much believe that a balanced, healthy diet includes everything, but there might be some things that you want to reduce. And that includes things like processed meats and saturated fats. So saturated fats, as I mentioned earlier, are present in animal products and dairy and it would be a good idea to reduce them. Um, Next one is trans fats. You don't actually see trans fats that much in the UK. Um, However, if you are the 1% of people listening to this and you're in the US, then trans fats will be in certain foods. And there was a study conducted in 2007 found that those who had an increased energy intake from trans unsaturated fats or trans fatty acids as opposed to carbohydrates, experienced a 73% increased risk of ovulatory infertility. The next one is alcohol. There was a study, a really quite large one, 2,545 couples, um, and it found that the women who consumed four or more alcoholic drinks per week had a 16% lower chance of live birth in comparison to women consuming less. Now, I'm not going to lie, I did find that number quite surprising, like four or more over the space of a week. I mean, I'm in I'm in Glasgow, I'm in Scotland. I think that four drinks is probably quite average and probably more than that. People might be consuming more than that over the space of a week. So reducing to four or even less would be a very good idea. And I think the key here is reducing rather than cutting out completely I think reducing anything um that isn't great for fertility is going to have an impact and just like um increasing anything that is good for fertility is also hopefully going to have an impact too another one is caffeine now higher caffeine intake is associated with a lower rate of live birth rates um and again with pregnancy it's recommended that you don't have more than 200 milligrams milligrams of caffeine per day so based on the fact that your goal is to get pregnant it might be an idea to try and reduce again just like alcohol reduce your caffeine intake over the space of a day wow i am sorry this podcast actually turned into a 20 minute podcast rather than a short one there was a lot of information there and i don't want you to feel overwhelmed and i generally think if you improve your nutritional habits 
i.e. increase the amount of fruits and veg that you're having if you increase the amount of whole grains and oily fish and if you try as much to recreate a Mediterranean diet pattern when it comes to what you eat and then also looking at reducing some of the things that you know aren't going to be as good for you so caffeine and alcohol and saturated fats It is all about balance and ultimately it's about keeping you as happy and stress-free as possible and I don't want your diet to be one of those stressors. And if you need any more help, then please feel free to get in touch. Even just if you want a chat about this, I'm always keen to talk to people and help people. That is why I've been placed on this earth. So have a lovely day and speak soon. Bye.